1: you return that I might
2: live in my Father's house. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered, and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary." I mean, think about this. What a great testimony. This is God's estimation of this church. And listen, blessed is the church who would hear these same words today. Pastor
0: Mike will be introducing you to the Church of Ephesus, the first specific church addressed in the book of Revelation. The name may sound familiar. There's an entire book of the Bible written to this same place. Ephesus was a strong church, as Pastor Michael shared today, and Jesus had great things to commend them on. They weren't perfect, but their actions were a testimony to the God they served. What an amazing thing to be known for. Your perseverance in faith could be a testimony to others. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Revelation chapter 2 as he begins his message, The Church of Ephesus.
2: This text is found in Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, and the title of this message is The Church at Ephesus. Okay, so let me set this up for you. We now move into the second division here in chapter 2, or the second section of this book of the Bible, according to chapter 1 in verse 19. In fact, let's go there, and that verse there in chapter 1, in verse 19, provides for us an outline of this entire book, and it breaks it down basically in three divisions. What are those divisions? Well, let's go back just quickly to chapter 1, just to remind you again, verse 19. Write the things which you have seen, that's the first division, referring to all of what is recorded for us in chapter 1 of the book of Revelation, that would include the vision that was given To John. Then, secondly, notice also in verse 19, the things which are uh, referring to what we're going to begin as we move into chapter 2, that would relate to that portion or the division of church history. That is the church age, chapters 2 and 3. And then, notice, let's go back to verse 19, and then the things which will take place after and then that would begin in chapter 4, and would run all the way through to the last chapter of this book of the uh, Bible, which is recorded for us there in chapter 22. So there you have the breakdown. Uh, The first division, chapter 1, the second division, chapters 2 and 4, and the last or third division, beginning in chapter 4 and running all the way and through chapter 22. But once again, we are now moving into the second division, or the second section of the book of Revelation. That is, referring to the things which are. That is, the present, the church age, which we, if you think about it, uh, live in presently. And notice, it is the Lord of the church, the risen Christ, our great high priest, our intercessor, corresponding with these seven churches, representing every church and church age that will ever exist. From the first church, which is represented here in the book of Revelation by Ephesus, the apostolic age, to the present day church, which would be the last day church, because we're living in the last days, and everything in between. And so you will notice that as we go through these seven letters, they are in the form of a commendation, uh, judicial verdicts, warnings, and promises. They reveal both the victories as well as the failures of the church. They call to repentance and incite Now, with that said, that sort of sets the platform, and hopefully it will help you to understand a little bit better about these uh, seven letters. And this becomes then our first point. And if you take your notes, write this down. Each of these letters follow a certain structure. So follow a certain structure. That's our first point. And there's five components to take notice of here. And as we go through these seven letters, all seven of them have these things in common. The first of which is, each are addressed to the messenger or the angel of the individual congregations. And I think last time we had firmly established that those angels, or more accurately translated messengers, is a reference to the overseers of the church the elders of the church. So each one of these letters, uh, one of the seven are addressed to these stars or these messengers, these angels, and Jesus holds them in his hands. Notice according to chapter 1 in verse 20. So each are addressed to the messengers, uh, the individual of these individual congregations, the overseers. Then secondly, another component, feature of each one of these letters. With each letter, a certain title of the writer, who is Jesus, is given. Uh, and each title is one of the descriptive elements of the vision that was given to John and is recorded first in chapter 1. For example, notice here in chapter 2, and we'll get into this in more of, in its entirety in just a moment, break it down for you. But notice, just to make the point, in chapter 2, in verse 1, the latter part of verse 1, this is the way that Jesus appears or presents himself to the church at Ephesus. He says, These things saith he who holds the seven stars, the overseers, the elders, in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. And so that description of Jesus, here in chapter 2, corresponds with the description of him that is recorded for us in chapter 1, both in verse 13 and also again in verse 16 of chapter 1. Then, notice thirdly, another component, another feature, Jesus begins addressing each church in each one of these letters, affirming, he uses the phrase, I know your works. In other words, what he's suggesting here is he knows the motivation behind our works, the things that we do for him in his name with the right attitude or not in the right attitude or motivation. You know, this reminds me of what is recorded for us in the book of Hebrews in chapter 4 and verse 13, where there we are told all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So that's the third component or feature of these letters. And then fourthly, we have what I would refer to as the heart of the message, or the body, which can be either a joyful word, a praise, or a word of blame, or in some cases, a combination of both. And then lastly, the last feature, the last component of all of these seven letters, the message is closed with an illusion to Christ's coming again. And we'll see that as we move through this book, where the second coming of Christ is uh, depicted for us as He comes back together again with His church to establish His kingdom upon the earth. So, the messages, all of them, close with an allusion to His coming again, then a final admonition is given, and then a promise to those who are overcomers. For example, here, in the letter that was addressed to the church at Ephesus, notice in the latter part of verse 7, and again we'll break this down for you in just a moment, but notice he says here, to him who overcomes, and this is the promise, for those who are overcomers, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So there you have it. That's the basic structure, the five basic components of each of these seven letters. Now with that said, let's go ahead and break this down further for you. Now let's begin in verse 1, and that also brings us to our first point, which is secure in Christ. Let's go ahead and read verse 1. To the angel, or the overseer, the elder of the church of Ephesus, write these things, saith he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Okay, so what do we have here? Well, Jesus is speaking as the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. That is, the seven elders, the seven overseers of these seven churches. The one who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. And as we firmly established last time, I believe that the menorah, or the seven golden candlesticks, that represented Israel under the Old Testament dispensation, today, represents the church under the New Testament dispensation. So I I, I just love this picture that's being painted here uh, for us. And thus the Lord holds His church and His people in His hands. He walks in the midst of us. So this speaks of both our security then, think about that, and Christ's desire to bring us all closer to Him. Okay, And listen, let's go on then and read verses 2 and 3. He says, notice, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. I mean, think about this. What a great testimony this is god's estimation of this church and listen blessed is the church who would hear these same words today may that god would say these very things concerning harvest christian fellowship i mean think about it here's a church that is exercising discernment who's laboring who's toiling and persevering and Also, I want you to remember that this was a church that actually existed during John's day. In fact, let's take some time out and briefly talk about this particular church. You can read about a lot of what we know about this church from reading Acts chapters 18 through 20. Paul, according to the book of Acts, visited this church on several different occasions. And we are told, from what we read, that it was a strong church. It was a thriving church. It had a great testimony. It was influential throughout that whole area. But now, it's some 60 years since Pentecost, since the establishing of that church. And they've passed now through two generations of believers. And in the 20th chapter, there in the book of Acts, and I'm going to ask you to turn there with me, if you would, and let me set the stage for you. When for one last time, Paul passed near Ephesus, word had come back to the church, the elders came out to meet Paul, and it was quite a scene. It was really what you would genuinely call uh, uh, call a love fest. There was weeping. There was rejoicing. And during which time, where Paul met with the elders, he prophesied about things that would soon come to pass within that particular church. Now with that said, let's pick up in chapter 20 of the book of Acts in verses 29 and 30. He says this, and this is in the form of a prophecy. He says, For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves men will rise up, speak perverse things, to draw away the disciples unto themselves. So, he's sharing this information with these elders. So obviously, from what we read here, now going back to Revelation chapter 2, obviously, this word had been fulfilled. Because notice in verse 2 of chapter 2 here in Revelation, at Ephesus, right, he's, he's referring to this, he's alluring to this actually taking place. He says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that how that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say that they are apostles and are not, and have found them to be liars. So listen, at Ephesus, the difficulties and threats came from within. And what was that threat? What were those difficulties? Folks, it was false teaching, false doctrine. That was the enemy. These false teachers, these self-proclaimed apostles that were seeking to advance these false teachings. But you gotta love, again, the commendation of our Lord here. He says, you could not bear the evil ones. Again, what a great testimony. Listen gang, some Christians today find it easy to bear with the real enemies of Christ within and outside the church. What am I talking about? Carnality, and carnality seems to be drifting into the church. Compromise, indifference, and its proponents. Oh God, help us to protect ourselves against these things. As the church, we can't bear with evil things or evil wants. We cannot tolerate these things. Listen, Ephesus had tested these individuals and found them liars. Now at this point I can hear I could almost hear these guys saying, hey, wait a second, don't judge, don't judge us, man. I mean that's my reality. That's the way that I interpret the scriptures. But listen, we in fact are called to test the individuals, to make a righteous Judgment. To judge a righteous judgment. And that becomes our third point, and that would be judge a righteous judgment. Notice there in the latter part of verse 2, he says, And you have tested those who say that they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And Jesus is commending them. So to those who would say, Don't judge, man. That's my reality. right? Uh, That's my interpretation of the scriptures. Hey, listen, we're not to be good with that. We are to judge and judge righteously. You know, in First John in chapter 4, in verse 1, we are exhorted there to try the spirits, to see if they are of God. Okay, so, what then is the standard of judgment? Well, it's the Word of God. You know, I'm reminded of the Bereans that are commended, recommended to us in the book of, of Acts, in Acts chapter 17, where when they heard the word of God, they received it with readiness of mind and heart, but they searched the scriptures for validation. They didn't take anything that was said through human instruments for granted, or for biblical truth. They validated the claims that those men had shared with them. So, how do we know if someone is a teacher, sent from God, a pastor, or an apostle? Well, 2 John, in chapter 9, I'm going to ask you to, to turn there with me. Just go back uh, a couple of books of the Bible, two books to be exact, go to Jude, and then to 2 John. And in 2 John, it's only one chapter, in verses 9 and And 10, we are given some information on how we know if someone is a teacher or a pastor, a minister sent from God. 2 John verses 9 and 10 Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you, and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about the doctrine of Christ. And that doctrine of Christ that's being advanced needs to be a biblical one. It needs to line up with the revealed scripture. It needs to be correct. And basically, it needs to project and declare how that God, the Son, the second person of the triune God, became a man, and died for our sins in our place, and rose again on the third day. And through faith in Him alone we secure our salvation. Hey, listen, that's the gospel in a nutshell. Well, anyway, notice, let's go back to our text. Jesus commends the Ephesians for their strict stand on apostleship, And discernment. Yet, in spite of these good things, there was something missing. What was it? Well, that brings us to our fourth point, and that is God's cry for love. Now, you know, when we think of God, we think of Him having no need whatsoever. But I want you to know that God desires to receive our love from us. Notice in verse 4, and that's exactly what was missing. In verse 4, here in chapter 2, he says, Nevertheless, this is the indictment that he brings against them. In spite of all of the good things, there was something that needed to be corrected. He says, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. In other words, they were busy working. They were going through the motions, without the emotion, the wrong motivation, and listen, you know, God is looking to draw out from his people their love. In the book of Jeremiah, for example, as a cross-reference here, if you just quickly turn with me to chapter 2, and verses 1 through 5, Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, this uh, follows along the same idea how that God is seeking out love from his people. In Jeremiah chapter two and verse one, moreover the word of the Lord came to me saying, Go and cry in the hearing of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember you, the kindness of your youth, the love of your betrothal, when you went after me in the wilderness, in a land not sown. Israel was holiness to the Lord, the first fruits of his increase all that devour him will offend. Disaster will come upon them, saith the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, What injustice have your fathers found in me, that they have gone far from me, have followed idols, and have become idolaters. So that was the very thing that was missing. Their love, the right
1: motivation, father's house there's a place for me in my father's house where I long to be
0: oh my heart. that's all we have time for on this edition of in my Father's house did you know that you can listen to Pastor Mike's teachings on your favorite podcast app? Just search for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio and be sure to subscribe. And let us know you're a listener in the comments. We'd love for you to join us for worship this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship, too. Check harvestnyc.org for service times. You can reserve your seat by clicking on Contact and then the Register link. We're located in Midtown Manhattan, and there's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. If you're not in the area, or if you're unable to attend in person, we'd still like to have you be a part of our time studying God's Word. We're live-streaming our services each week, and you can connect on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. If you'd like to catch previous Sunday messages, click on the Resources tab. You can also watch services through our Vimeo link or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Links to all of these are available at our website. One more time, that's harvestnyc.org. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to ask you to join us in praying for all those listening to Pastor Mike's teachings. Please pray for open hearts and open ears to hear and accept truth. Thanks for praying, and thanks for joining us today. We look forward to our continuing study of Revelation next time here on in my father's house.
1: There's a place for